Hello, hello. Welcome, welcome. Good to have you all here. Wow. This is kind of surreal. Our uh, last Sunday of, of being, uh, doing church as we've done it for a long time. And so um, next Sunday, we will be in the worship center just down the road. Yeah. So we got our permitting to assemble and everything this last week. So we are all good to go. So very exciting stuff. Just for the parents, uh, so zero through 23 months, uh, we have kids classes over at the worship center. And then all the kids up from that, uh, next. this is next week, all the kids up from that are going to be uh, still in their same classes here. So, uh, But today is Family Sunday, so kids first grade and up will be in service with their families. And then... Um, yeah, so first grade and up will be in service with your families, and we've also got donuts out on the, uh, by the patio there, so definitely go check those out. Um, and that's all I got for you, so we got a video here, and we'll get that going. God brought me to this school, and this school brought me to God. I like our school because it's a lot easier to connect and grow closer to God. I have teachers and Christian friends at this school that I can talk to. For once, I feel like I belong. I like CCS because I feel accepted as myself. I'm happy I'm here because I get to see other people connect with God. I like how this school gives me good influences. This school has shown me how to love God and not follow the world around me. The teachers are always open to talk about God and problems you have in life. You can feel his presence all over this place. Jesus picked me, chose me, and loved me for a reason. And being here has made that reason more clear. I'm excited to build a better relationship with God. He's like my best friend. He's gonna love me no matter what I've done. He does keep his promises and he promises good things for us. I wanna show others the way he moved in me so they can see that he's real and he's there and he can change your life just as much as he's changed mine. Well, good morning. My name is Tom Olmson. I'm the head of school here for Coastal Christian School, and I just appreciate so much that uh, your church has uh, been a great supporter of our school and a partner with us. Many of your people here have uh, been a part of the work that God does at Coastal Christian School. And that video that was just made, uh, that was filmed during COVID, which means kids can still have fun out there uh, in this world, even during that time of the craziness. But it shows you that our school just isn't a kind of a normal Christian school. It's more of a Christian experience. There's other ministries that kind of feed into what we do. There's a church influence, obviously. We have chapels and Bible classes. We have a camp kind of influence when we go to spiritual emphasis. And and so it's a, it's a Christian experience. And so during uh, these, these years here uh, at, at Coastal Christian, we're celebrating our 50th anniversary this year. Yes. <laughs> 
and it's really a celebration of God's faithfulness uh, to that work. And I define Christian education this way. It's, I define it as having truth and wisdom saturating their knowledge. And, and truth is obviously Jesus. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And so we want God's word to just permeate what, what they're hearing and help them develop a biblical worldview where they're actually taking the word of God and creating that as the lens to see the world. Because you guys know education's not neutral anymore. Uh, there's an agenda at everything. I have an agenda. <laughs> I want these kids to know Jesus and, and be able to have a personal relationship with him and be able to go forth into this world knowing their mission and and be able to think well and everything so we're kind of like a think of our school as like a five-legged stool there's there's we have our mission our philosophy we have really our our academic program we have our kind of business model that we operate out of there we have our strategic planning and then we also have a a kind of a community that we want to nurture. And so uh, we've grown. We've added another campus. We're actually renting from New Life. We have a trail that goes up the hill for us that connects the two campuses. Uh, we've seen performing arts grow. We're using the Clark Center to do some performances there. Sports have grown um, because the Lord has just blessed the school uh, during this time in this last year to illuminate what we're doing. And a lot of families have said, you know what, I, I want to have my kids be a part of that. And so if you're interested to learn more about our school, I'll have a little table out back and just connect with you, um, be able to share with you some more information about our school because I'd love to be able to have you guys come on campus, see the school for yourself, and uh, experience Coastal Christian. So thank you so much for the time. Thank you, Tom. Awesome. All right, well, I'm just going to go ahead and pray, and we'll uh, get into worship. So if you'll stand with me, that'd be great. Um, Lord Jesus, we just want to come before you this morning, and uh, we just want to open ourselves up to you. Uh, we want to worship you this morning, Jesus, and so uh, you're the reason we're here. Uh, we just pray that, uh, that you would fill this whole place, that you'd fill every venue where people are meeting, and the people who are meeting online. Jesus, we, uh, we are here, we avail ourselves to you, and uh, we just ask that you would fill us, that you would um, minister our minds, hearts, souls, bodies, spirit. Every part of us, Jesus, and uh, we just come before you. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Psalm 100 says, Shout for joy, all the earth, and proclaim his name. Church, that is what we are doing this morning. We are proclaiming his name. We worship the God who was. We worship the God who is. We worship the God who evermore will be. He opened the prison doors. He parted the raging sea. My God, he holds the victory. Yeah. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today, and we won't be quiet, we shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord, our God is surely in this place, we won't be quiet, we shout out your praise.
God who heals. We sing to the God who saves. We sing to the God who always makes a way. Cause he hung up on that cross and he rose up from that grave. My God still rolling stones away. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. If we won't be quiet, we shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is surely in this place. Won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. And we were the beggars, now we're royalty. We were the prisoners, now we're running free. We are forgiven, accepted, redeemed by His grace. Let the house of the Lord sing praise. We were the beggars, now we're royalty. We were the prisoners, now we're running free. We are forgiven, accepted, redeemed by His grace. Let the house of the Lord sing praise. Sing it out. There's joy. be quiet. We shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is surely in this place. And we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. We won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. There's joy in That's the power 
Thank you, Lord. Lord, we're so humbled by your presence today, and we thank you that we've had the opportunity, that we've got the opportunity to gather in this place that has been our church home for the last 17 years. It will continue to be our church home, but uh, it's bitter and sweet that we're going to be moving next week into our new worship center. And uh, so, Lord, we just want to say thank you for the many miracles that we've seen over these last 19 years, but especially here, the last 17 that we've been just on this campus. And now, Lord, as we expand, we, we pray, Lord, that our ability to be salt and light is the only reason for expansion as kingdom people is that we might have a, a broader reach, a greater reach, a deeper reach in the kingdom and in the world that you've called us to bring your kingdom to. So, Lord God, we, we realize, Lord, that if you've given us more space, Lord, it is for the expansion of your kingdom and all for your glory and for your purposes. And God, you get all the credit, and uh, we say thank you, Lord God. You've been so faithful as we've been working on that project for these last 55 weeks, Lord. You have been so good to us, and Lord, we just, um, as we get ready to launch that next week, we pray, God, that all of the little details would get wrapped up, and all of the little things would get finished, and that as we move into that space, Lord, that our ability to disciple people, to see people come into the kingdom and see people baptized and see whole <laughs> lives and families and generations be impacted with the gospel, Lord, we pray that, that would be the case, Lord. We, we thank you for the, the growth that Coastal Christian School has experienced in these last couple years, Lord. You've taken this crazy COVID thing, and you've made it a blessing in so many ways, Lord, to that school, and um, it's been hard and yet good, and it's just all of the above, Lord. So we just pray blessing upon CCS, Lord, upon their their effort to partner with families, to see their people, their young people discipled, and to become strong leaders and followers of, followers of you first, and strong leaders within the kingdom and within the community, Lord God, so strengthen their work, we pray, Lord Jesus. God, I'm so grateful for the young people who are going out. I think about Eva Kessler, who's going to be on mission this summer. I think of Jacob Erdman, who will be on mission this summer. He's already gone. And so we bless those young people, Lord God. We bless them as they, as they sacrifice, in a sense, air quotes, sacrifice their summer so that they can be equipped and released into the culture to make a difference, Lord God, and to be salt and light. So bless, bless them. I pray that the, this experience would transform their thinking and their understanding about you and about their role in the culture and that they would have newfound purpose, Lord, as a result. So bless Jacob and Eva and, and others who would be traveling this summer to do missions work. Bless them, Lord God. We pray blessing upon our dear friend, Darlene Buchanan, who has been with us for these last 10 years or 12 years or so, whatever it's been. It's been so glorious, Lord God, and she gets ready to move to Washington State to be closer to family and friends. Lord, bless her. Lord, bless her. We are so thankful for her. Uh, we love her so much, Lord God, and 
we've walked through a lot of hard seasons as she's lost her husband and we've just as a church have done our best to come alongside her so bless Darlene Lord as she transitions we will see her again <laughs> here there or in the air we will see her again Lord and uh, think about Andrew and Stephanie who are moving to Idaho and the Martins Lord bless the Martins Lord God and uh, so many people in transition Lord God I just we just pray blessing upon your family here at Harvest Church, whether we're here or somewhere else in the world, Lord, we just pray that we would take the kingdom with us, the gospel with us, and that we'd be salt and light wherever we go, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for who you are. Lord, we pray for the health of people like David Roosh, who's just battling cancer. People like Kenny Welch, who's just recovering from heart surgery and Sean Bath, my cousin who's recovering from surgery and is in a deal, great deal of pain, we pray blessing and grace upon these people. Lord, for all, I, I know that we could spend an hour just naming people, Lord God. And uh, so we just pray, God, for the health of our people here at Harvest Church, your grace upon our lives, Lord God, that you would bless families, Lord God, especially those who are struggling right now, that you would strengthen them and bless them and help them and encourage them, Lord God. God, remind us that prayer is so powerful. Lord, Lord it's not a, a last resort, it's a first resort. It's what we have the, the privilege to do and the opportunity to do, to enter into times of prayer and for the people in our lives and for our loved ones, Lord God. So thank you, Lord, for this time. We pray, God, that you would be ministering to every soul in this place and everybody gathered on this campus and everybody tuned in online lord god we pray that just a, a release of healing power i know so many people deal with chronic pain and sickness and we just pray god for your divine grace upon our bodies lord that healing would be uh, just experienced and enjoyed and there would be a blessing of healing physical physical healing lord god upon our bodies lord and then uh, mental and emotional and spiritual in every way, Lord, that we'd be experiencing your grace in a fresh new way. So, Lord, do wonderful and supernatural things as we gather, Lord God, and give us grace and faith for these seasons that we um, enjoy and endure. It's both, Lord. And so, Lord, help us, we pray. Bless this time as we open up the word, as we've worshiped, as we've uh, fellowshiped, as we pray, Lord, continue to move powerfully in our midst, Lord, we ask in Jesus' name, Jesus' name, amen. Turn and greet someone that you have never, ever greeted before, and we will come on right back.
Good morning, there it is. Hey, did everybody receive communion elements as you came in? We're gonna be taking communion, it's family Sunday, so fourth Sunday of the month, donuts and communion, all of these things to enjoy, and uh, as well as kids' jokes. We've got some kids' jokes today, look at this. I came into my office uh, Monday, I think, and I had these two little envelopes in my stackable there where I received my mail, and uh, I said, well, what are these? I received some jokes um, from Tessa, and uh, she said, Dear Pastor Steve, my name is Tessa. I go to church with my grandma, Tracy. Here are some, here are some jokes for, for Sunday's sermon. <laughs> so I'm going to be using some of Tessa's jokes, and if Tessa's here, as promised, I do have a $5 bill for her. Uh, sometimes you just got to pay for resource, you know, you got to pay for resources, so um, I'm willing to do that if you're, you know, uh, you know, uh, under 18. If you're over 18, then they ju you just got to give them to me free, and, and that, that's all right, too. So um, we're, take, we're done with Hebrews, and um, so we were going to uh, start a new series today in James, but um, it seemed more, more appropriate to start that James series in our new Worship Center. So interesting story. Uh, in 2002, uh, before we planted this church, we were in prayer uh, about what to do with our lives as a family because we just wrapped up a 10-year stint at another church. And uh, so we were just prayerful about what the Lord wanted us to do. So we, um, we were just having a small Bible study in a friend's home and uh, and as a precursor to planting this church, I was teaching through the book of James. And so it's really interesting that, and I've taught through James since then as well, but it'll be really interesting to, uh, and fun, as we kind of experience maybe a little bit of a rebirth in our new space, uh, to teach through James again. So I'll touch on it a little bit today, but um, mostly we'll get going on that in the next week or two. And so it'll be really, really fun. But today we're in Matthew chapter 7. And um, we'll be uh, looking at some passages there, just kind of a topical message. We're teaching through the scripture there, but the title of the message today, The Making of a True Disciple of Christ, kind of um, on the heels of what we learned last week and really all through our Hebrews study and really kind of in preparation for James. James is going to get our attention, and uh, it will challenge us in ways that uh, maybe we've not been challenged in a long way. So uh, get ready for that. I would encourage you, it's five chapters, so I would encourage you to read ahead, and uh, just as a primer for the study, just read through all the five chapters. It won't take you very long. You can get it done in, uh, you know, 30 or 40 minutes, but read through that, and, uh, but before we go there, let's say this. Let's do this. What did the horse, why did the horse cross to this, cross the street? I'm trying to remember, I'm trying to read the writing for a little test here. What did, why did the cro uh, horse cross the street? To visit his neighbor. <laughs> here we go. Jim said, I want to build a gigantic boat, but I'll need some help. Bob said, well, I just happen to know a guy. <laughs> I 
I love kids' jokes. I've got more. I'm going to save them for next Family Sunday, and um, if I use them again, if I use her jokes again, she'll get five bucks next Family Sunday as well. So, um, the making of a true disciple of Christ. What is a, a disciple? What before we kind of get into this topic, it's helpful for us to understand what a disciple is. It's kind of old language. We don't use it in our culture per se. We're not Jewish, so we don't fully understand. Some of us are Jewish, but we don't fully understand discipleship and what that terminology is and what that means for us as Gentiles. But Jesus said, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So what is he asking us to do. What is a disciple of Christ? A disciple is literally a learner, uh, someone who follows the teachings of another, saved or unsaved. We are all disciples of someone. So we're all learning and in that respect, emulating, copying the behavior of others around us, whether it's celebrities or or sports stars, or teachers, or just people that we admire or respect, we're emulating, we're copying the behavior, we're learning from others, and then imitating their lives. When we give our lives to Jesus, we become Christians. The term really is little Christs. We often talk about being Jesus with skin on, meaning we're to represent him in the flesh, in this world, in our culture, in our lives. We're to represent Jesus, the Christ. We, this is the transition that takes place when we, be, when we become born again. We literally are born anew. We've got new purpose, new life, new focus, and uh, new power to do what God has called us to do. So when we give our lives to Jesus, we become Christians, little Christs, who denounce the teachings of this fallen world system and adhere to the instructions found in the Bible. So it's a total transition that takes place, that's meant to take place when we give our lives to Jesus. Our, Our lives are meant to be focused completely on something different. Disciples are followers of Jesus who learn from him how to live and love and lead others to him. So when we're called to be disciples, we're actually called to go out and help others to follow Jesus. They are imitators of their teacher, mimickers of their master, the Lord Jesus Christ. Easton Bible Dictionary, Easton's Bible Dictionary defines a disciple of Christ as one who believes his doctrine. So as we come to faith in Jesus, we declare that we actually believe what he taught. We believe his doctrine. We rest on his sacrifice. We fully trust that the sacrifice that Jesus made for us on the cross at Calvary is, it was, it is, and it will always be absolutely sufficient. So we, we rest on his sacrifice Easton goes on to say that person imbibes his spirit. We don't use that word imbibes very much, but it means to drink or to absorb. So we're to drink in or absorb the spirit of the living God. We're promised that when we come to faith that we are filled with the spirit of the living God. And that spirit is in us to convict us of righteousness, to teach us, to instruct us, to 
uh, comfort us. Uh, the Spirit is a, the comforter and the convictor. He's the one who is within us, constantly in us, and we're to drink him and to soak, absorb the Spirit of the living God. In Ephesians 5 talks about continually being filled with the Holy Spirit of God. So we have this responsibility to continually invite God in. So we're saying, Spirit, fill me. Overwhelm me. I want to drink you in. I want to absorb you and your life. And then we're to imitate his example. So as, as disciples, we're to imitate Christ's example. In John 8, 31 the King James Version, it's not on the screen, but it says this. Then said Jesus to those Jews who believed on him, if you continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. So there's an, a way to determine whether or not we are disciples. If we continue in his word and understanding and applying in obedience to his word, then indeed we are his disciples. So we need to examine our lives and evaluate our lives all the time. And, and I love to do that as I open up the scripture every day. I say, okay, Lord, is my life in alignment with your word? In what I'm reading, is it, does it reflect who I am? I want to be a proper disciple, a follower. I want to mimic who you are and what your word says. A disciple of Christ is not simply a believer in Jesus, but one who actually obeys what Jesus says. Disciples embody the message. James convey, uh, conveys to the elders of the, uh, of the church there, um, he said, be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. So we're to be hearers and doers. Be doers of the word so we hear it. And, and we could argue that we're not actually hearing if we're not actually doing. So we can hear something, go in one ear and out the other, but we demonstrate that we've heard when we do what God has asked us to do. So be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving your own selves, James 1, So let's get into our text here in Matthew chapter seven, verses 21 through 29. Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount here, he said, not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do, and here it is again, only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. Isn't that interesting? Let me read it again. Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will actually enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. So number one in your notes, true disciples of Christ do the will of of the Father. It's, it's, it's in the definition of what a disciple is that we are actually to do the will of the Father. Matthew 7, 22, on judgment day, and we talk about this a lot, when we will stand before the Lord and give an account for our lives, Jesus talks about this in Matthew 7, 22, on judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and performed many miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. None of us want to be in that position. We want to hear, well done, 
enter into your rest. This is what we want to hear when we stand before Jesus. Well done, good and faithful servants. Enter into your rest. We will do that as we've trusted Jesus for our salvation and as we become genuine disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. So it separates, in a sense, the sheep from the goats, from those who declare but live differently, from those who uh, are lukewarm or just playing the Christian game. I played that for a number of years. I got saved, I guess, in junior high school, but then I kind of, you know, I've shared the story before, but I, I vacillated and I didn't really know what to do with my faith. And so about junior year of high school, I was still doing the same thing. And uh, one day I felt like the Lord drew a line in the sand and said, you have to choose. Will you choose me or the world? And it, it was like the Lord was saying, you can no longer live your life this way. You have to choose. And by God's grace, I chose to follow him. Not perfectly. None of us do it perfectly, but that was the decision. And so maybe you're here today and you're at that same crossroads where you're saying, I just, I am done. Teetering. Having a foot in the church and a foot in the world. I'm done with being confused about who I am and about what God has called me to do, and I just know that I need to follow Jesus. I would encourage you to choose Jesus today, to become a disciple. Maybe you're struggling and vacillating and feeling lukewarm because you've given your life to Jesus, but you haven't understood what God is actually calling you into. He's calling you into a new life of servitude, of following him. Jesus said to his disciples, come, follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. Leave, leave all of that previous life behind and come and focus on something completely different. I never knew you. It speaks to the desire that Jesus has to have an intimate connection, a knowledge of his followers in an intimate relationship with us. In all of our brokenness, his grace is sufficient, and he calls us into intimacy with him. I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's law. <clears throat> Breaking God's law is actually the opposite of true discipleship. If we follow Jesus' example, we will do what the Father calls us to do. We will obey the laws of God. In John 5, 19, so Jesus explained, I, I tell you the truth, the son can do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees the father doing. Whatever the father does, the son also does. So he's establishing who he is. I am the son of the father, and I will only do what I see the father doing. Doing. I will only say what I hear the Father saying. I'm so intimately connected to God's plan and purpose for my life, I will emulate and follow him. And I will only do those things that I see him doing. George Mueller wrote, there was a day when I died. I died to self. My opinions preferences, tastes, and will. Died to the world, its approval or censure. Died to the approval or blame even of my brethren or friends. 
And since then, I have studied only to show myself approved unto God. Mueller speaks of living his life before an audience of one, not disregarding others' opinions, his own desires, his own plans, whatever, what others thought of him, and he said, I will do the will of the Father. I have studied only to show myself approved unto God. So he's looked at the scripture and said, I'm going to do that. I, I, he's filled with the spirit of God and he's determined by God's grace to do the will of the Father. Back to Matthew 7, verse 24, it says, anyone who listens to my teachings and follows it is wise, Jesus said, like a person who builds a house on a solid rock. So the person who listens to what Jesus is speaking and communicating in his word and follows it, that person is wise, like a person who's building their house on solid rock. So we're all building our house on something. We're all establishing our lives on something. Jesus said the only way that you're actually going to build your lives, your house on solid rock, is by listening and obeying. Everything else is like building your house on the sand. You know what happens when the sand, you build your house on the sand. The waters come and erodes the sand. There's no solid or permanence about that. There's nothing solid or permanent about the, the, uh, the foundation of sand. It's shifting constantly, and so it's constantly moving. You can't build your life on something that is that unstable. Anyone who listens to my teachings and follows it is wise. Like a person who builds a house on solid rock. So what's the foundation of your life and of your spiritual house? What is the foundation of your spiritual life? What are you building your life upon? God calls us to build, and we obviously play a part in this. We build on a solid foundation by listening and obeying, by hearing what Jesus has called us to do and then just doing it. I tell you, it makes life a lot simpler if we're not wrestling all of the time with what God says, if we're not constantly evaluating and deciding, am I, gonna, am I gonna do the will of the Lord in this area of my life, or in this area of my life, or in this area of my life? If the answer is always yes, Lord, then it just simplifies life, and it, it clarifies life, and it, and it makes life so much easier to live because we know that we're just going to do the will of the Father, and so when we are confused about the will of the Father. God's been so gracious to give us these 66 books of the Bible, 39 Old Testament books, 27 New Testament books, books that communicate the heart and the mind of God so that we know what we are to do. Anyone who listens to my teachings and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Number one, true disciples of Christ do the will of of the Father. Number two, true disciples of Christ are able to endure storms. Well, their foundation is solid rock, right? Solid rock. They're able to endure storms because their foundation is firm. It's not shifting. It's not questionable. It's, it's filled with integrity because God's word is filled with integrity and it strengthens the, and builds into the foundation of our life something of strength and, and something that will not shift. 
True disciples of Christ are able to endure storms. I've watched it over and over again in the church. People who are solid in their faith. Things come, difficult things come, and they just endure year after year. Decade after decade. A friend of mine, Benny Ketz, who I've known for uh, better part of 30, 40 years, um, he's home taking care of his wife. They've been coming to this church for years, and Ethel's got hip issues, and she can't walk very well, and so, but they're watching. They're probably tuned in right now watching. Hey, Benny. Hey, Ethel. So we, we go back decades, and um, when Benny came to church to visit, um, I don't know, probably six weeks ago, Man, there was just something about his countenance and his character. I, I just, I had to pray with him, you know. I just wanted some of that to rub off on me. And uh, so we stood in the parking lot by his car and we just prayed together. And man, I, I tell you, the anointing of God, the power of God on that guy's life, the presence of God on that guy's life, it carried me the rest of the day. I was just, I came into the office, I'm like, I just prayed with Benny, man. It was just the greatest thing. <laughs> it was just the most powerful thing. And uh, so there's something about godly people who carry godly character and intentionality. They're determined to do the will of the Father. And they endure storms, physical storms, financial storms, relational storms, whatever they may be, they just endure and they continue we, uh, year after year, decade after decade to stay focused on Jesus. I, I, I think about men like that, women like that who have invested their whole lives to follow Jesus and they carry something. They, they, they carry something that's, uh, that's attractive and contagious and strong and wonderful and something that we all absolutely can learn from true disciples of Christ are able to endure storms. Why, why do they endure? Again, because they build their lives on a solid foundation of hearing God and responding with obedience to God. So it's not like I'm reading the word and I'm deciding, am I gonna do this? No, you read the word and you say, oh, I'm not doing this. I'm going to do this. It's not optional, right? It's like I'm just going to align my life with Jesus and his word. They have built their lives on a solid foundation of hearing God and responding. In 1 John 2, 3 through 6, it says this. And we can be sure that we know him if we obey his commandments. If someone claims, I know God, but doesn't obey God's commandments, that person is a liar it is not living in the truth. But those who obey God's word truly show how completely they love him. That is how we know we are living in him. Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. So John, the apostle, wrote this brief book, 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, and they were Revelation. So they, they tried to kill John because they didn't like his message. They didn't like what he stood for, so they tried to kill him. What do they do? They boil him in oil. Hmm. He survives. <laughs> if God's not done with you, they cannot kill you. <laughs> and so they, can't, they don't know what to do with John, so they exile him to an island. And he endures hardship 
as a faithful, faithful man of God. And, and while he's on that island, an angel of the Lord re- appears to him and speaks to him, gives him the book of the Revelation. So he's exiled, but he's a man of integrity. He's in, able to, to endure hardship, and in the midst of hardship, do incredible and wonderful things for God because he's just figured out how to endure because he's a disciple, a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. Jesus was faithful and was able to endure the storms of life. In his 33 years of life, he endured Obviously, the last three years especially, he endured some hardship. If he was faithful and able to endure the storm, storms of rejection, maybe you can identify with some of these storms. Storms of rejection. Storms of temptation. It says he was tempted in every way but without sin. He endured the storm of temptation, storms of ridicule, storms of false accusations, storms of abandonment, storms of pain and humiliation. Finally, the storm of death. He went to death as a faithful, as a faithful a servant of God. He, on the cross, he's told one of the thieves hanging next to him, today you will be with me in paradise. He was always about the Father's business because no matter what was thrown at him, he was able to endure because his life was built on a solid foundation. So no matter what is being thrown at us, we have a responsibility, an opportunity, uh, even an obligation to make sure that God is glorified in the midst of the storm. If we can only glorify God when things are good, are we really his disciples? Have we really built on a solid foundation? If, if our good works, are, the fruit of our life is only dependent on the good things that are happening in our lives, then we're, we're not really demonstrating a solid foundation. We're anybody can do good when things are good. What do we do when things are bad, when really things are really bad? We endure because of the solid foundation. If we haven't been able to endure, we need to go back and look at our foundation. What is the foundation of our lives? Is it Jesus, his word? Is it obedience to Jesus and to his word? Jesus was faithful and was able to endure the storms because he was here to do the will of his father. He was here to do the will of his father. Maybe we're not here to do the will of our father, and so our ability to endure during the storms is questionable. But if we understand what our purpose in life is as believers in Jesus Christ, then we are here to do the will of the father and to only do the will of the father. Now, God blesses us with the ability to do other wonderful things, but foundationally speaking, our role as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ as disciples is to make disciples, to make sure that our lives reflect that priority 
in every arena of our lives, that we are building a solid foundation of understanding that we are here as God's kids, with God's purpose, with God's understanding and power to do the things that he's called us to do. So we have to figure out how to endure. The only way we can endure is by having a solid foundation. The only way we can have a solid foundation is by just constantly being in the word of God, by constantly praying. So we pray without ceasing. I don't know if you've tried that lately, but it's really powerful. It's like really life-giving. It's really good. It's just, you're just walking around, whatever you're doing, you're driving, you're working, you're just praying, always inviting God in, always asking for the power of the Holy Spirit in your lives, always uh, seeking the wisdom of God, availing yourself to the Word of God so that you can do the will of God. And this is just what God has called us to do. He's called us to, to be in constant communion, intimacy with Him, availing ourselves to His plans and His purposes no matter what. If we do that, we will endure the storms. Back to Matthew 7, verse 25, though the rain comes, and the rain always comes. If you're not in a rainstorm right now, you will be soon. It just always comes. It's part of the fallen nature, the sin-sick world that we live in. Though the rain comes in torrents, and the floodwaters rise, and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it is built on bedrock. <laughs> it's built on bedrock, Matthew 7, 26. But anyone who hears my teachings and doesn't obey it is foolish, like a person who builds a house on sand. We watch these old repair shows, and uh, last night we were watching shows about these old 100-year-old houses, that, you know, all over the country, and people are wanting to restore these old houses, you know. These houses have survived the uh, the, the decades and even more than a century because they've built, been built on a solid foundation. There, there's something of stability and strength in the foundation of these houses that allow them to stand after 100 or 200 years. And these people are able to come through and refurbish and rebuild and fix so that they last another 100 or 200 years. There's something about the stability of a good foundation that each of us need. And when we don't have it, we're always vacillating. We're always confused. We're always lukewarm. We're always half in and half out. We're always just marginal in what we believe in. And our convictions are marginal. And our obedience is marginal. And it's dependent on what's going on externally instead of the decision that says no matter what's going on externally, I'm just gonna make Jesus my priority. I'm gonna be obedient to his word. This is what Jesus has called us to. When the rains and floods come and the winds beat against that house, the house built on sand, it will collapse with a mighty crash. We don't want that because storms are promised in this Christian life. Storms are promised. We will experience storms and so we might as well get ready by building our foundation on bedrock, on solid stone. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowd were amazed at his teachings. People were always amazed at what Jesus said because he spoke. He spoke with such wisdom. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teachings for he taught with real authority, quite unlike their teachers of religious law. Why did Jesus speak with authority? Because he knew 
what his purpose in the earth was, what he was called to do. His mission was to make disciples, to die for the sins of the world, go to be with the Father, and forever make intercession for the saints. Number one, true disciples of Christ do the will of the Father. Number two, true disciples of Christ are able to endure storms. And number three, true disciples of Christ submit to God's authority. We cannot be true disciples of Christ if we're not willing to submit our lives to God's authority. What does submitting to someone's authority look like? Let's take a look at uh, Roman, uh, Matthew 8, the, the faith of a Roman officer. You probably read this story before, Matthew 8, 5 through 10. When Jesus returned to Capernaum, a Roman officer came and pleaded with him, Lord, my, my young servant lies in bed paralyzed and in terrible pain. Jesus said, I, I will come and heal him. But the officer said, Lord, I'm, I'm not worthy to have you come into my home. Just say the word. From where you are, and my servant will be healed. I know this because I am under the authority of my superior officers, and I have authority over my soldiers. I only need to say, go, and they go, or come, and they come. And if I say to my slaves, do this, they do it. This Roman soldier understood something of, about authority, and Jesus said, Matthew 8, 10, when Jesus heard this, he was amazed. Turning to those who were following him, he said, I tell you the truth, I haven't seen faith like this in all of Israel, in all of Israel. When, when God is our authority, when God is your authority, he oversees every arena and area of our lives. He is our authority. His plan is what we follow. It's just, he's our authority, so we follow his plan. His purpose is now our chief purpose. The word slave, doulos, in the Greek, is the, in this verse, is the word the apostles used for themselves. The, the apostles understood that they were slaves of God. They were bondservants of God. They were doulos. They were slaves. And so because they understood their place, they had no problem doing the will of God. Sometimes we forget who we are. We are sons and daughters, but we're also bondservants. We have decided to come under the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have that responsibility, that calling to be not just sons and daughters, but slaves of God. The Dulos is a slave of God. If you don't want to be God's slave, you have signed up for the wrong God because Old Testament, New Testament, this is the message that we are called to be servants, a doulos of God. Romans 1.1. 1, 1. This letter is from Paul, a slave, a doulos, a slave of the Lord Jesus Christ. James 1.1. 1, 1. This letter is from James, a slave of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul and James, they understood their role, their purpose. And it wasn't, a, wasn't even like a demeaning thing. It was like a life-giving thing, like I've got purpose. I'm here to serve the king. 
I know what my life is about. I'm not confused about my purpose and my calling. I know who I am and to whom I belong, and so I will serve Jesus with joy and with peace and with gratitude and appreciation. There's nothing oppressive about it. It's life-giving and good. What's oppressive is when we're trying to balance our affairs with God's affairs, and we're trying to figure out who it is that we're uh, serving, Paul and James and Peter, 2 Peter 1.1, 1, 1. this letter is from Simon Peter, a slave, an apostle of Jesus Christ. Jude, Jude 1.1, 1, 1. this letter is from Jude, a slave of Jesus Christ and a brother of James. In Revelation 1.1, 1, 1, John writes, this is a revelation from Jesus Christ which God gave him to show his servants, his doulos, the, the events that must soon take place. So John understood he was writing to the church, the people of God who are the servants of God, the doulos of God. We are bond servants. We have decided. And if we haven't decided to be the bond servants, the doulos of God, then we haven't decided to follow Jesus. That's the reality. If we haven't decided to be a servant of God, then we haven't decided to serve Jesus. We're to do what Jesus did. Jesus said, I didn't come to serve, or to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. So do we understand the authority of Jesus in our lives? Do we submit to his authority in our lives? And if not, where in our lives are we not submitted to the authority of God? And what are we going to do about that? We, we will constantly be made aware of the areas where we're not submitted to his authority. And the answer is, yes, Lord, I want to submit. I want to align. I want to fix, repent of, and follow you. Lord, there was a blind spot in my life, in my understanding, in my experience. And Lord, I'm seeing clearly now that you would have me to be a servant and that means every arena of my life. It's all under your authority, Lord. I submit to you in all things. Where is Jesus' authority not recognized in our lives? What are we doing about that? We, we can't really see clearly unless we just open up the word all the time and avail ourselves to the truth of God's word. Be students of the Bible. And you can't call yourself a student if you're just showing up here and listening to me teach or going to a Bible study where somebody else is teaching or where you're tuned into a podcast or to a radio station or to a TV station to let somebody else teach you. You're a student of God's word when you open up the word yourself. When you decide, I'm going to learn the Bible. I'm going to figure out what God has communicated through the pages of scripture and I'm going to become a disciple of Jesus Christ. So you just have to open up the scripture and just see what God will say. Maybe you're not a very good reader. I, I tell you, you'll become a great reader if you just commit yourself to reading the scripture. Maybe you don't know how to read at all. Just get Bible on tape or whatever. There's plenty of that. Just figure out how to get that word in your soul, in your heart, and in your mind. Are we disciples of Christ, or do we just go to church? Are we disciples of Christ, or would you just kind of keep Christ marginalized in our lives? The making of a true disciple of Christ, true disciples of Christ do 
the will of the Father. So we ask ourselves this question, am I a disciple? We all need to ask ourselves this question, am I a disciple? Do I follow? Do I do the will of the Father? Am I able to endure storms because my life is built on a solid foundation? Or am I wishy-washy and lukewarm and tossed to and fro, constantly confused, disappointed, frustrated, in sin, doing the wrong stuff because my life is built on sand? Only you can answer that question. True disciples of Christ are able to endure storms. Number three, true disciples of Christ submit to God's authority. Are we submitted? And if not, let's get submitted. We're going to take communion and... Um, so hopefully everybody received their elements. I'm going to be reading out of 1 Corinthians 11. So listen, communion is a celebration of the cross and what Jesus accomplished on the cross. 2,000 years ago, Jesus died on the cross for your sins and for my sins. So we celebrate communion. We break bread, as it were. We drink juice. We do this in remembrance of Jesus. So if you are a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ, take communion today. If you are not, please don't take communion today. Communion is for believers, disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so maybe it's a moment for people in the room who have figured out, I'm not really a disciple, but Lord... I want to be a disciple. So maybe this is your prayer as we bow our heads. Lord, I, I haven't been a very good disciple. I, your, your word, the teaching this morning is, has helped me to see that I've been about my own agenda, filled with my own desires, following my own lead and doing the stuff that I shouldn't be doing. I, I haven't been submitted to your authority. I have, I'm wishy-washy. I, I, the storms blow me around. I'm not really doing what you've asked me to do, Lord. So, God, I repent. I, I'm changing my mind about how I'm living, God. I give my life to you. I want to do this. I want to be a disciple, a true disciple of yours, Lord God. So if that's your prayer today, uh, maybe you've prayed that prayer for the first time. Maybe you've prayed it for a thousandth time. Um, God, here's the humble broken and contrite prayers of people. He, he hears and his heart is to help you to do what you're created to do and longing to do as a result of this, this understanding of what it means to be a disciple. So if you're here today and you're a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ, let's go ahead and take communion. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians, for I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself, on the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this to remember me. Let's take the wafer. God, thank you that you allowed yourself to be beaten, crucified, pierced. 
because I am a sinner in need of redemption. Thank you for the redemptive work on the cross. Thank you, Lord. In the same way, verse 25, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this to remember me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. Let's take the cup. Thank you, Lord, for the juice that represents the blood that was spilled because I'm a sinner and because I need your forgiveness. God, we are sinners. We have missed the mark. The Bible says there's none righteous. No, not one. So, Lord, thank you that on the cross, because of the cross, because of your body and blood, God, you've imputed righteousness to us. Our sin was imputed to you and your righteousness has been imputed to us. That means we have become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus when we are covered by your blood and filled with your spirit and adopted into your family and called servants of the living God. So thank you, Lord God, that you've imputed your righteousness to me and to those who have come under your authority and lordship and leadership. And so, Lord, we say thank you. We honor you today. We bless you today. We're so humbled by your presence and your grace and your love. Lord, as we get ready to worship, pray, God, that you would just be glorified by our hearts. Lord, let us worship in spirit and in truth. And then as we go over to the open house, the new worship center, I pray that it would be a time of celebration and just thankfulness, Lord. So thank you for who you are. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's go ahead and stand, and we will worship some more.
Jesus, thank you, Holy Spirit, for your sweet presence here this morning. 